Betty, have we got the headset going? There we go. Oh, that's better, thank God. It's always harder to hit the right switch. Something I'm not known for hitting the right switch very often. But anyway, there's this priest and pastor are standing by the side of a road holding a sign that reads, The end is near. Turn around before it's too late. A passing driver yells out, You guys are religious nuts. And then accelerates past them. Then from around the curve, the priest and pastor hear screeching tyres and then a big splash. The priest turns to the pastor and says, do you think we should have put it up a different sign? Something more like, the bridge has collapsed. <laughs> the thing about this little story is that before we get the opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ and the true message of Christmas, we need to think clearly what it is that we're going to say that we might pass on the full message that is easily understood by those who hear us. Not everybody who might hear us are familiar with the story. So keep it simple as the old saying goes, but keep it the truth. Let's pray. Father God, as we draw near to having this sermon, we pray, Lord, that you would bless us, bless each of us, and take the words that I have prepared and take them, Lord, so that when they reach the ears of your people, that you will use them in whatever way you choose. So we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The first two chapters of Luke's Gospel are like a richly woven tapestry of Old Testament references and the promises of God that found their fulfilment through the most unlikely candidates that God to choose as he introduces his salvation plan for all humanity. This morning, for the most part, we're going to focus on Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they were crucial individuals in the late transition period, starting from the Old Testament time of Malachi, some 400 years earlier, to the beginnings of the New Testament era with the coming birth of John the Baptist. The Old Testament presents God reaching out to the Hebrew people through a list of laws and expectations so that he can establish a covenant of relationship between himself and the Hebrew people. And the New Testament era, the New Testament covenant era, starts with the angel's message to Elizabeth and Zechariah concerning the conception of John the Baptist. John was to prepare the way for Jesus, whose life and ministry will establish a new covenant, a new covenant not through law, but through God's grace, through God's love, through God's mercy, and through God's forgiveness. Through Elizabeth and Zechariah, and the announcement that a boy child was to be born to them, we see the dawning of this new covenant period. And from a human perspective, Zechariah and Elizabeth were an unlikely couple. For God used, they were both getting on in years, 
Elizabeth was 88 years old, and Zechariah, an old man, 100 years. And uh, Elizabeth had given up, had long given up the hope to give Zechariah a son and heir. One of the questions that this story raises is, why would God choose a barren old woman and an old man whose used by date for fathering had come and gone? Yet scripture tells us they were to produce this child who, to God's new salvation plan, was crucial to the proclamation that the Messiah is coming. Now, if this storyline sounds even a little bit familiar to you, um, then it should be, because it's almost the same story as that of Abraham and Sarah many, many years earlier. Here we have Abraham and Sarah, an aged couple, and uh, they are to have a son. They too are well beyond their years in terms of having a family. But God called them to leave their homeland and go to a place that God would show them. And if they were to go, God also promised them not only a boy child, but many descendants. And from the outset of this story, Sarah and Abraham are one of God's choosing unlikely candidates to accomplish God's own purposes. But despite Abraham and Sarah's scepticism and their attempt to take matters into their own hands with Hagar, Sarah's maidservant, God's promise is fulfilled. And Sarah conceives and later gives birth to Isaac. Now the angel's message of God's promise seemed utterly absurd to them, just as it had to Zechariah when the angel meets him in the temple. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Wow, a hundred years old. An 88-year-old pregnant lady. That's something, isn't it? In disbelief, Zechariah says, how can this be? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now we might think that Zechariah with his faith and his history of humble ministry, of a humble priestly life, might quickly believe in the angel's promises. But no, he does not. In contradiction to his belief that God is faithful to his promises, Zechariah struggled to believe that the impossible was, by God, being made possible. Yet God had, through the angel, promised a son, a son who was to become the new Elijah of the New Testament era. And instead of looking to God in faith and accepting this promise, Zechariah looks at himself and he looks at Elizabeth 
believing their ages and, and Elizabeth's barrenness have placed impossible boundaries on the fulfilment of God's promise. Zechariah's unbelief has weakened his confidence in God's faithfulness by his believing that he and Elizabeth's age limitations could render God and God's promises powerless. Now I wonder if you can identify with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Have you ever, or do you now, struggle to believe in the power and the promises of God? Has your experience in life caused a weakening of your faith and trust in the power and those promises of God? Has the creative fertility of your faith become like the disappointing barrenness of Elizabeth? And whilst your faith remains important to you, just as Zachariah's faith remained important to him, has your faith and spirit been dulled by even a slight measure of disbelief? And if so, does that dullness of faith leave you with a feeling of spiritual doubt and emptiness? I think it was something like that for Zechariah. I know from my own past experience, when I once felt a nagging confusion that once had me question my faith in God. I wonder if you in any way can identify with that, or even with part of it. Take heart, because if you do, there is an enormous gap between your feelings and the reality of God's active ever-present love and faithfulness. And because of God's ever-present love, a healing of faith is far more possible for all of us, just as it was for Zechariah way back then. And this is true. If your faith is as even as small or smaller than a mustard seed, a spiritual healing can happen. It can happen because God has promised you that he will never leave you, that he will never abandon you. In Psalm 39, sorry, Psalm 36, verses 5 to 9, tells us that no matter where we are or how we feel, that God's faithful love reaches even to the sky and his faithfulness as high as the clouds that his goodness is higher than the highest mountain and his fairness is deeper than the deepest ocean. The psalm also tells us, that, and also Zechariah would have known this himself, that nothing is more precious than God's loving kindness towards us and that we can find protection in God and through faith, even if our faith is as small or smaller than a mustard seed, that we will then, by God's grace, once being healed, we will drink again from the fountain of life. Zechariah had plenty of time to ponder the promises 
and the trustworthiness of God during Elizabeth's pregnancy. Initially, his doubt had struck him dumb, but his voice returns at the time of John's circumcision in the temple. And it was then that the very first words that fell from his lips were words of praise, known to us in Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 79, as Zechariah's song. And in chapter 1, verse 68, his song begins like this. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favourably upon his people, and he has redeemed them. Now we do know in this new covenant time in which we live, that God so loved the world, that God so loves you and me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yes, eternal life. Zechariah knew this, that God was faithful. He knew this in his heart and mind. And that is why his song sings the high praises of his God. And this praise of God helps to lift him into a renewing of his trust, a renewing of his awareness of God's presence and the truth of God's promises. He, as an unlikely instrument of God, has been lifted out of his doubt and again he holds firm to the promises of God, just like you and I can, if we have any doubt. If we have any doubt about our faith, any doubt about our sense of calling, any doubt about the truth of God's promises and his presence with us. Do you know that doubt and fear, if we give in to them, are the very birthplace of hesitancy and disbelief in God. Zechariah teaches us in this time and this age that if we put on, like he did, the garment of praise for the spirit of doubt and heaviness, we too will realise that God is no further away from us than from when we first believed. To put an end to the heaviness of doubt we need to put our trust in the promises of God and draw close to God through renewed dependence on the Holy Spirit. But what does it really mean to put on the garment of praise? The garment of praise is, if you like, like a spiritual jacket that we can put on to lift our flagging spirit, to lift it in the sure faith expectation of healing and a faith renewal, a faith restoration. After years of dutifully serving God, Zechariah steps again and again into the temples in her courts and turns towards God. And there he is again overwhelmed by the presence and the surety that comes with faith in God. Likewise for us. 
If the edge of our faith is frayed even a little or tattered by doubt, if we turn our mind and lips to the sure expectation of faith renewal through prayer, praise and thanksgiving, there will be, there will be a renewal of our flagging faith. The story of Elizabeth and Zechariah shows us that God never fails to honour his promises. So if you think because of any doubt within you that God is absent or even that God might be finished with you, then you need to think again. And know this truth, that even when doubt assails us, God is not finished with us. And why is that? It's because we have been made in his image and his likeness. And we should work to remember that the sure promise of God's constant presence and power is always with us. And even if God's presence and power feels deeply hidden within you, don't give up. Because God still believes in you, even when your faith is at a low ebb. And know this also, that now is the time. The time for all of us, as unlikely candidates of God's mission and ministry, time for us to open ourselves up to the truth of God's salvation action for our world, that it will happen through you and through me. No matter how old we are, no matter how infirmed we might be, no matter how low our measure of faith, if we dare to stay even a little bit pregnant with the fresh purposes of God, then nothing, absolutely nothing, is a barrier to God. When God determines to bring forward his purposes in and through our lives, he will still move in us and through us, even if we have some measure of unbelief. And this is where I want to say a little about John's, John the Baptist's transitional effect and his influence on us as modern day Christians. Whilst none of us are called to be a second John the Baptist or a new and modern Elijah, uh, and whilst we, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, may not see ourselves as God's most likely candidates, we have, however, been chosen by God to herald in the extension of his salvation plan through our ministry and mission to the world about us. Believe it or not, it is true. We who may be prone to see ourselves as unlikely candidates because of perceived shyness or lack of confidence, a sense of awkwardness or our agedness or our infirmity. Believe it or not, the truth is that you and I alike are indeed among those who are most definitely, most certainly called by God. There is no doubt.
called to be transitional individuals, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to prepare the way of the Lord as we draw near to this Christmas and the time well beyond this Christmas. And whilst Esteban and I may be the only two, oh, three, is Ian here too? Maybe the only three gathered here this morning that are ordained by God. So we're ordained by the United Church in Australia. Believe it or not, you are also ordained. You are ordained not by the church, but far more importantly, are called and ordained by the Holy Spirit to prepare the way of the Lord. And if we, that is, you and I, can only be faithful and obedient to our calling, if we allow the boldness of the Holy Spirit to help us give a transitional, life-changing account of our faith as witnesses to those whose life is as a desert experience because they themselves have not yet given themselves over. To Jesus Christ. And this is not new 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 <laughs> this is not new news to you. This is old news. We have heard it all before, but I tell you this, right now is the time, like no other time, for you and I to be road makers. This is the time for us to prepare the way of the Lord and create a better world. We are living in that transitional time between the birth of Jesus and his return. And whilst we know not when he will return, only the Father knows, what we do know is that our world needs Jesus like it never has before. What we also know is that we are called to give to this world in this time leading up to Christmas, we are called to give gifts to them. And that is the gifts of hope, the gifts of joy, the gifts of love, the gifts of peace, the gift of grace, all from Jesus Christ, born on that very first Christmas and reborn daily in the hearts of men and women and children right across this land and across every land as part of this broken world. You and I, as unlikely candidates, are most definitely called to pass on to the world the very real Christmas blessing of God as we bear witness and invite others to experience the active and living faith only in and through Jesus Christ. As God's unlikely people, you and I can help set people free, free from fear, free from doubt, free from hopelessness, and free from the restraining chains of disbelief. These very same things hold the very soul of people captive, captive to the false hopes of a broken world. And the all-important question is, are you and I, are we up to the task? God says you are. 
because God believes in you. Are you ready? And even if you have some little doubt, know that God is going before us, preparing the inner road of our heart and mind so that we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, can help birth Jesus Christ in the lives of others. Are you ready? Are you ready to say yes to God even in fear and trembling? You make yourself ready by taking the first step of faithful obedience. The next three weeks heralds in the very best time for non-believers and nominal believers alike to listen afresh. To listen afresh to the story of Christ's birth and have its impact open them up to the life-changing experience to fully understand and give themselves over to the Christ celebration, the Christ Mass, and to give themselves over, not for a day, but for a lifetime. In your readiness to do God's will, may God bless you richly, and may God give you the very boldness of the Holy Spirit to share your faith. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, loving Saviour, and all-powerful Holy Spirit, many of us have believed that the message of grace and forgiveness is the message you have given to your church to share with the world. And in times past, some of us have found it easy to hide in the shadow of our unlikeliness to become active messengers because we do not see ourselves as gifted or called to mission. Some of us are old, some of us are tired, some of us feel inadequate and we have never understood ourselves to be your primary means of drawing others into your kingdom. We may have thought that such work was the work of others who we believe are more gifted or more suited to the call to make disciples. Father, forgive us. Lord, we pray for the spirit of boldness to lead us in sharing our confidence in the saving power of Jesus Christ. Of fear or doubt that might be holding us back, lest we like Zechariah, be struck dumb. Struck dumb because we are slow to act and believe that we are part of your collective voice, calling out, prepare the way of the Lord. Father, let us not remain silent about your glorious love for all humanity. Spirit of our living God, ready us for the work of your kingdom. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and join with me in singing. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Now you will, might need to pay a little more attention to the slides because I have changed some of the lyrics. So we'll know if you're working by memory or from the screen. So please join me in singing. Open our hearts, Lord. <coughs> 